Hello, and welcome to the MLM.com podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Rollins, and in today's episode, we're joined by David Judd. David, thanks for joining us. Hi, you're welcome. Glad to be here. Okay, so I know we work together, but I always, I never know titles. <laughs> Tell me, what, what's your title these days? Oh, it changes, um, but uh, I think for the, the, the current title is Principal Product Owner. Okay, so David uh, works with me here at InfoTrax, and um, he is the principal product owner. Um, and David's got uh, a lot of experience in the MLM industry. Uh, David, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and, and what you've done in the industry? Okay, um, so I started in the industry uh, about 15 years ago working for a direct sale party plan company that did scrapbooking supplies. And uh, it, was a, it was a great introduction to how MLM and network marketing works. Um, during the time that we had there, um, we, that company converted to using Infotrax's software. And so it became kind of a natural fit for me to eventually join the Infotrax team where I've been for uh, a number of years now. And uh, most of my experience uh, at Infotrax is working with clients who are, who are starting up uh, or who are in business and looking for uh, a change. They want to change the, the software. And so we've done myself and teams I've worked with have done a lot of the implementations. So we've seen we've seen how companies switch software and what's important to these companies both as they're starting up and as they're looking for different needs in software. Yeah, and it's it's that experience that, that we wanted to bring you on for because we kind of want to um, feed off of our, our last episode where we had Sean Smith on mm-hmm. uh, and we talked a little bit about integrations and and different paths for companies to take and and you obviously have a lot of experience um, working with those things and working with integrations and I wanted to first start up <clears throat> first start from kind of the startup mentality so you've done a lot of work with startups um, and in today's world what what should a startup be thinking about from an integ- integration standpoint the reality is that they're there really isn't a software out there that you can just buy that doesn't have integrations in it. Um, integrations are just part of the world we live in. And some of the the base level the integrations a startup should be thinking about are, of course, credit card inter- interfaces, right? That's an integration. Uh, a lot of companies want to integrate with a sales tax provider, uh, at least ways in, in certain countries that you know standardize that type of information. You can work with a provider to make sure that your sales tax is all calculated and all of the rules and the legislation around sales tax is managed by an, another vendor who provides that then to your software. Um, other ones are for your fulfillment. You may be interfacing with a third-party logistics provider or a warehouse management system where you as a startup may not be taking on all the fulfillment activities of your, you may be outsourcing that. Uh, and the last one would probably be commission disbursement, where you may want to be dispersing either to like a direct deposit to a bank or even uh, many of the great e-wallet solutions that are out there right now, where makes it all electronic and, and provides some good flexibility there. So, I mean, those are the, the common ones you see with, uh, with new companies coming out of the gate. They, 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 these new companies that are starting up, they know that they have to sell, they have to get out into the marketplace, and they're going to find a few strategic partners in those areas that I mentioned to make sure they handle the stuff that they won't have to worry about. They can worry about what they need to do to get their business out in the market, prove their concept, and really start building something of a growing uh, field or company or whatever. And the, <clears throat> that's great. The thing that stands out to me about 
all of, or most if not all of those integrations is they're, they're pretty passive integrations, right? So sales tax, you're not going in and you, you're not gonna have a CSR going in and like managing your sales tax integration. Whatever your backend provider is hits it, gets the sales tax for the particular address you're at, returns it, right? Same with credit cards, things like that. Um, and I think that's one of the things that people don't realize is, is a lot of times you don't even think of those necessarily as integrations just because, yeah, you get them set up, they're passively done. Um, the things that can be more complicated and, and the place that I've seen people make a mistake starting up too early is having too many active integrations where you've got a single person jumping into two or three different systems. Uh, and, and that can obviously cause some frustrations. Yeah, the you know in the startup world, you've got a small staff of people who wear a lot of hats, and if you're asking that staff to jump into different systems, different user interfaces, um, that just adds overhead to the processes that they have to go to. Uh, phone calls with distributors and customers can take a little longer because I have to move from system to system, and it's certainly frustrating for that user. In addition to all that, it can also increase the risk of mistakes made by that particular CSR, uh, or whoever the, the person may be. Because they are wearing multiple roles, or because they are fulfilling multiple roles, um, the, the passive integrations work real nice. So when you're looking for software, you definitely want a software provider that can keep a good UI for the, for the multiple roles, where you, know, you may have CSRs and some admin and some logistics and some accounting, you know, and, and at least there's some aspect that the people that wear the multiple hats can, can live within a UI, ideally, and then bring in those passive integrations like you mentioned. Yeah, I may have to go in there as, as a finance person for the company occasionally into my credit card or my tax or whatever, but for the most part, the, the different roles, because they're uh, filled by, by one person, Keep that UI, keep that user experience as simple as possible. It will save you heartache, it will save you time, um, and allow your people to, to get really good at doing their job. Okay, then as you grow, you're naturally gonna bring on some experts, and they're gonna want more sophisticated tools, and you're gonna need more sophisticated tools because you've got a larger business to manage. Uh, and, and you and I talked about this a little bit leading up to this, this recording is, uh, you're going to start, you're going to go from a few people wearing a lot of hats like you talk about to a lot of people wearing probably just one hat, right? And that's when you're going to get financial people saying, hey, let's go partner with a, a better ERP and things like that. And what are some things that people should consider at that point? Um, at that point, it's about best of breed. It's about looking for the needs of your business and saying, who does this part really, really well? Um, and you know that just to kind of talk about the InfoTrack side for a minute and maybe tout InfoTracks a little bit, you know that's one of our approaches is that you know we have a solution that that can be scalable for these different needs and we know that we do certain things well and we know that we don't do certain things well and so we like to have our clients bring on good partners that do the things well that we're not good at and integrate. Yeah. And so when you're looking at that, you're looking at what are these partners or potential partners best at doing. Um, because you're right, as you grow, you start to build an organization that has departments and roles start to become filled by one person. Um, and then you have a warehouse group or department 
and they may need a specific type of, of need out in the warehouse to keep uh, raw materials flowing in, to track finished goods, to then putting that on a pick line and fulfilling orders and auto ships and all that kind of stuff. They may need a specific warehouse management solution and you may need to integrate with it. Uh, accounting, you know, if you want to get into, uh, you know, combining accounting and logistics and everything and you want to go out and get a, a large ERP system, um, yeah, there's some good ones out there. Uh, and your MLM system that's good at the MLM stuff will need to be able to integrate into those other pieces. So when you're looking for MLM software, certainly consider, and, and Sean kind of mentioned this a little bit in, in, in his interview, that you're looking to ask the question, what's the growth strategy? right, for the partner you pick for your MLM solution. Are they able to bring on these other integrations for things that are not necessarily MLM specific things, like an ERP, warehouse management, e-wallets, that kind of stuff. Uh, and make sure they're really good at doing the MLM stuff, right? Uh, and so you can quickly bring those in and look at who's good at, what, is, what are the MLM providers good at and as I'm a company looking to grow, what are the areas of my soft or of my business that other people are expertise in that aren't necessarily MLM specific? Find those people and integrate them. Right, and like you say, I mean, there are certain things that that software will get you to a certain point, right? And then you're going to outgrow it sometimes, or at least certain elements of it, mm -hmm. you know, accounting or fulfillment. And then you want to get specialty software for that. Um, but likewise, I don't know how often we see this, but I've seen a couple people try to come out the gate too complicated, right? That they're, you know, you're shipping 10, 15 orders a day and you've got this complicated integration that's a pain to, to manage yep. and you could more easily just do it manually because you've got a few people um, and you've got these weird business processes that you're trying to fulfill that are built more for a large, large scale business. Yeah. So when you're working with startups and I know you spend a lot of time talking to them about business processes before we, before they even start uh, setting up uh, their first item codes or whatever in, in some software, what are some tips that you give them in planning for growth and in not getting ahead of themselves in that? Um, a lot of the tips we give is uh, do it manually for a period of time. And there's a couple reasons for that. Uh, one, understanding the process before you automate it helps you better automate it. If you come out of the gate and you automate all these processes in your software, which most software providers will let you do, and you don't understand the underlying process, operationally, that can be a challenge for you. You may not understand what exactly is going on and the effects of that automation may actually lead you to things happening that you didn't expect and, and therefore causing, causing uncertainty, confusion, and sometimes legitimate problems. Uh, and so we definitely, that is one of the big reasons why we say do some of these processes manually. The other reason is because uh, you don't know as a startup what your business is going to do ultimately. And we feel, at least it's been my approach and the approach of, of, of Infotrax to say your first goal as a software provider is to get out there and prove your, your idea in the marketplace. Spend your time focused on that and you know, don't worry so much about customizing the software. We've seen way too many clients come in, customize integrations, for example, that they ended up turning off six months, 12 months later because they, they grew past that idea that they had at the beginning. 
It was no longer relevant. The reason why they did it in the beginning was a guess. I think we're going to need this. So putting some of those manual processes instead of integrating, for example, um, are always uh, very helpful because then you understand what you really need over time and then you go out and find your solution. Yeah, and one of the things that's interesting about this industry is you get uh, your sales force kind of takes on uh, not a life form of its own, but kind of a, a behavior pattern of its own. And that's where you can get into a point where, yeah, you may have guessed, well, if I were out there selling, I would do, do it in this way, and you build all these web tools and stuff around it, and then you get a bunch of people out there, and they're actually doing it in a different way. Uh, and to not kind of paint yourself into a corner and say, oh, well, we were planning on this. You want to be, especially as a startup, able to adapt pretty quickly yeah. and say, hey, our, mark, our product took off in this certain segment that we weren't counting on. How do we build tools to support them? Because yeah. one of the biggest integrations, quote unquote, that you could do is, are going to be your sales and marketing tools and your front end right, your distributor back office. And that may be something that you end up taking in-house, that may be something you customize with your startup provider and, and they're able to grow with you, that may be something that you go partner with some other sales tool. And so yeah, if you're, if you're not, I, I love what you're talking about in the sense that you wanna give your, your business a chance to grow in the way it's gonna grow and then adapt to it without pre-baking everything and saying, hey, uh, we're going to do all of these things this certain way without knowing what it's like. It'd be like a, a newly married couple designing their dream home in year one of their marriage. They don't know yet yeah. how many kids they're going to have. They don't know what... Tastes and preferences that yeah, they have combined together. you, you yep. got to kind of learn and grow, and you don't want to force yourself in to such a, a complex and... and convoluted process that you can't then adapt to. And you bring up a good point because there are there are aspects and usually the operational aspects are ones that are pretty tried and true. There's some real standard operating procedures. So when it comes to any integration that helps you operationally do the fundamentals of taking orders, shipping orders, paying commissions, all you know that's that's great. And that's where you're talking about standard. Like credit cards. Yeah, exactly. Sales those tax. those things we let off with for startups. But then there's the, the distributor facing or the distributor view, uh, viewable, I guess, interfaces. That's when you really maybe aren't sure or don't know yet. Um, we've seen a lot of people who come, who come from a larger MLM company. They break off and they, and they get a couple of people together and they start an MLM, right? And they come with this mentality of, of, of big company and they want to have all the tools and they want to have all the integration the big company because that's what they're used to and they're used to living in that world and they overbuild a software system for their now new startup company, right? Um, and, and, and most of the time, that, that money they've, they've put into that, a good portion of it ends up going to waste because this company they're building should be different than the company they came from. That's the reason they went that way, you know, to build something different and new. And that's where you've got to find that, that correct balance because the, the thing that you do want to be thinking about is what happens when I grow but not boxing yourself in before you've grown, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. So you do want to say, okay, is this software provider that I'm partnering with going to allow me to integrate with an ERP? Are they going to allow me to take over the development of my front end, right? Is there a core piece of what they're doing that I'm going to stay with no matter what? And that's part of the reason why I'm doing business with them at yep. InfoTracks. 
we, we tell people that it's our commission engine, right? And you see people break off different layers and, and they're able to integrate with us and grow with us. Uh, but I do think that that's, it's kind of a fine line to walk of being prepared for when you do grow, uh, but not automating things, integrating to things, and building complex processes before they're warranted. Exactly. And that's why I love, you know, Sean's kind of that essence of Sean's statement of the question you should be asking your MLM software provider is what's your growth strategy? As we change, as we move through the phases of growth for an MLM company, what's your strategy? And that should be the question that people are asking and that whatever strategy they're given by the software provider they're looking into fits with their thoughts as far as how we intend to grow over time. Don't build up too much too soon and ask your provider what's your growth strategy. Okay, so I appreciate that and I, I want to take one other angle with you. So let's say that you're, uh, you're working in MLM right now and you're like, hey, we're in a, a bad situation and we need to start looking at maybe changing some things. Uh, when people go <clears throat> to change software providers or to add new integrations, what are some of the mistakes or pitfalls that they make that you would caution them to avoid? Um, picking the right providers, uh, the biggest one, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and if, if, for example, if I'm with an MLM software company and I really like them and I really trust them, I should probably look for recommendations of who they would say to integrate with. Right. If I don't like the MLM provider, then yeah, I've got to go out and shop and find a new one. Right. And then I would ask those questions, what's your growth strategy? You know, what's your integration strategy? We like these things and these things about what we're currently doing uh, or what they're currently integrated with and, and how does that fit with you guys? That's, that's largely the, the biggest one, you know, picking the right partners, picking people that uh, have a proven track record, um, that uh, integrate well. Um, it, you can't overstate that, that fact that integrations can be very tricky and not everybody does them very well. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes it's integrations with other partners that ends up really costing companies a lot of money and when they don't go well, loses distributor confidence. Yeah. Um, so it is important that you find someone that has a proven track record with integrations and that they're, what they're providing is, is solid. Yeah. The other thing I'd add to that is as you're meeting with other people, don't be afraid to revisit your own processes. Yeah. If, if you're meeting with someone that has a track record and can bring some expertise into to maybe some, some of how processes should look, uh, I mean, there's definitely, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. If there are things that you're doing and you know why you're doing them uh, and, and they're effective, okay, great. But if you're doing them just because that's the way we've always done them or because that's the way our old partner recommended them, I would say that that's one of the things you gotta got to be willing to look at is don't recreate uh, a poorly designed process with a new provider. Yeah, when it comes to changing <clears throat> software providers, that is one of the, the hardest things to do. And it's one of the biggest things that as we go into that situation, we try to help people understand. You're changing software for a reason. That should be the time to do exactly what you said. What is it that's core to what we need versus what did we build that, okay, we just built it because we thought we needed it and we didn't, or we've gotten used to something that may not be the best as we move forward. Um, being able to take a look at that from business processes to integrations to tools that we've provided in the past, all of those things should be under review um, and make sure that you have them because it legitimately provides value to your business, to your field, to, 
the end goal that you guys have, and then look for the software provider or the integration partner that meets that need. Yeah, you know, I, a funny story kind of about that is, I was one time working with, with someone who was converting off of their old software platform and they said, you know, is there something we can do to, to indicate that certain people ought to have their checks printed at the, as the, at the end of the check printing? And we said, okay, sure, you know, and we kind of walked them through it. And then we said, well, why do you want those checks printed at the end? And they're like, well, they're people who haven't submitted proper documentation, and so we're actually not going to mail those. We're going to put them, we're actually just going to shred them, and their earnings are on hold, right, because mm -hmm. they're out of compliance. And so we said, well, wouldn't it be better if we just created a report of those people, and now you know their earnings, and, and they're on hold, and, and we don't even print the check? And they were like, oh, great, yeah, that sounds good. We just, we thought that, you know, we came up with this plan and, and this is just what we've always done. Yeah. And so a lot of times it takes a, it, it's a good opportunity to take a step back and say, why, what is our objective versus what's the process we follow to accomplish that objective? Because yep. the objective was fine, you know, there was a business need and, and we needed to do account for it in their conversion but how much of a pain is that? I mean, they were printing thousands of checks that they were just shredding. I mean, this is a large company, yeah. eh, maybe not. Thousands over the course of a year though, right? And you're just shredding them. Yeah, they're just wasted. And so it, it is a, a good time to say, okay, what what is a better process that we could follow, so. And um, it, it is really interesting because when you look at that situation, it's hard to determine what those changes are sometimes. But the best thing you could do, again, going back to, let's look at when we pick partners or we pick software companies or integration partners, don't be afraid to ask to speak to their project team and, and, and talk to them about their approach to these types of things. Don't be afraid to talk to their subject matter experts or whatever. You know, ask to see if you can do that, to see if those people are going to follow that very thing. Are you just going to rebuild what I already built because I asked you to? Or are you going to actually be my partner and help me think through the things I really need to bring over? Right. And because when people come over to the InfoTrack software, we try to leverage the strengths of the InfoTrack software right. um, and then look at how they did business before. We have a whole onboarding team that does that very thing. They say, how do you do, how do, you do business over here? What's your process? We need to adopt you over here. We don't want to rebuild that. We want to adopt you over here because this is the way that this software system does it and this is why. It's for these reasons. And then you find the gaps of what you must have and you can then make a decision whether you want to build those gaps or whether they're just unnecessary. Yeah. You know, and, and it's true of a lot of things, right? I mean, that's true of what we do at InfoTrax, and you want to leverage that experience, but you want to do that everywhere. Everywhere. I, mean, I was with a client that started working with a new fraud monitoring tool, and, and the, the people that were working with them were great about saying, okay, with all the requests, saying, well, why is it that you're doing that? And then... Out of that came a lot of enlightenment on better ways to fight fraud, yep. right? Which you would expect because these people do it for a living. And that's part of the reason why you're partnering with them. Yep. But if you're just partnering with someone who's going to let you uh, go a long way down a wrong path, those are the types of partners that, that you can't really afford to do business with. So, David, I, I appreciate your time. I think we'll end it right there. Uh, it's, it's been good picking your brain because, uh, yeah, I think this is something that whether our listeners are thinking about starting up a new MLM 
or working somewhere where things just aren't clicking, this is something that, that people need to be thinking about. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, and we look forward to having you again soon. All right, thank you. That concludes this episode of the MLM.com podcast. And before I get to our regular closing, I'd like to ask a special favor and have our listeners go and rate us wherever you listen to the podcast. These ratings help us find other users and know what we can do better. As always, I'm your host, Kenny Rollins, and I want to give a special thanks to David Judd for joining us today. His expertise and insight was very much appreciated. I also want to thank Janet Bangeter and Adam Holdaway for production support. I hope you'll join us next time.